welcome back to episode four of the Youth After the Rock podcast, uh, which I still am debating if we should keep this name or, or, or you know, do something different because it's a weird name for people who were not <laughs> don't have the context of of what we were in. But we'll keep going with it for now. Uh, Eb, how's it going today? Good. I was just thinking about who was it that we were talking to that thought we were talking about Dwayne the Rock Johnson. Uh, so, yeah, someone I someone I sent it to one of the recordings. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and then someone else thought it was like a a rock music podcast or something. So I mean, yeah, we're, I guess yeah, we're still discovering what we should really name this thing. But yeah, Youth After the Rock is it for now, I guess. Um, yeah. And I guess I didn't actually say hello. So hello, everybody. Hello. Uh, today is very exciting. We are interviewing Jordan Prado. Uh, last week we interviewed Sean, her brother. So it's a whole family affair or something. I don't know. Uh, hi, Jordan. How are you? Good. How are you? Doing good. Excited about this. Um, me too. I think this is an exciting episode for me because I we've talked to Logan and Sean and I've talked to them, you know, a few times over the years, at least, and heard a lot of their stories before. Um, but, you know, a big part of mine for this is to talk to people who I've just kind of like mostly lost touch with completely and hear their yeah. stories. And so, yeah, we we talked like a week ago for a little bit, um, but that was probably like the first time we really talked in like a decade or more. Yeah. So pretty crazy. Time flies. But, yeah. Um, but yeah, really excited to have you on. And I think we can just jump into it. Um, maybe just tell us a little bit about like how you ended up at The Rock, what your life like was before, and you know, maybe kind of the early story uh, for you. Perfect. Well, just starting off, thank you both for doing this. I think it's been a long time coming thing. So, Justin, thank you so much for inviting me on. Um, yes, I am Sean Prado's sister. I am I am now Jordan Dustin. Um, I married my high school sweetheart, Joshua Dustin, that yeah, many really people know from The Rock. <laughs> really excited to hear that whole story, too. Yeah. So, um, I grew up in a Christian home. I didn't know anything besides being a Christian, so it wasn't a choice it was something I was born into. Um, I grew up in a broken home. My parents divorced when I was five. And as Sean had mentioned, it definitely created this dual lifestyle for me personally. Uh, good Christian kid at my dad's house and doing whatever I wanted at my mom's. Um, I have an older brother, Sean, and then two younger siblings that are half same mom, different dad. And my mom remarried when I was six. My dad remarried when I was seven, I believe. So I definitely grew up being Christian on the weekends. And um, um, did she, yeah. you and Sean, were you having similar upbringings and like ping pong between your mom and dad? Or were you like, how was that set up for you? Um, so yes, me and Sean were on the same schedule. We would spend the weekdays with my mom going to school, public school, 
and spend the weekends at dad's going to church, Saturday night services, Sunday morning services. And he got saved when we were young. Actually, I think he got saved before I was born. I'm not sure if Sean was born yet, but he dove in headfirst and fully committed. So we definitely grew up in a very strict Christian home. But yeah, we were together um, 24-7, Sean and I. So we grew very close once we moved in with my dad, which was, I was around the age of 11 or 12. And that became definitely a culture shock for me because I was used to letting loose on the weekdays and then, you know, buttoning up, collaring up on the weekends. So I was definitely thrown into a different environment and giving a little bit of back history. um, I was sexually abused from the age of seven until 11 and by a very close uh, family member. So that took us out of my mom's house and into foster care. And then we ended up living with my dad full-time. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that. Um, Yeah. And I I remember you kind of talking about that experience, even back when we were at the rock, um, I believe, Um, you know, I think something that came up when we were talking to Sean was the idea of like testimonies uh, that, that we did at the rock where, uh, the it happened in a couple of different settings sometimes it was a smaller group but uh you know sometimes someone would go to the front of the stage at church and you know kind of tell their story of uh, how they came to Jesus the you know terrible things that their life entailed before all the all the ways they were bad and the ways Jesus changed them and everything um and so yeah i think that that kind of thing would would come out in that sort of setting um, you know, it's maybe a little bit of a tangent, but I, uh, since you, since, you know, it's, it's on my mind. Um, do you remember like giving a, a testimony, like as a teenager and like sharing that kind of thing? And like, how was that for you? Yeah. So, um, I actually gave my testimony at the rock when I was, I believe 12. So I hadn't, really started processing my trauma, even at that point of being asked to give my testimony. Now I was asked and I consented for sure. Um, But you definitely feel, especially being that young, like, oh, they chose me to share my story of how God saved me and how the rock was a huge part of that. But in retrospect, I hadn't even begun much of my healing process. Mm. So I just felt like it was an honor, but I didn't feel like I was ready or that I could really help somebody if I couldn't help myself. So Mm. it definitely expedited the image of healing Mm -hmm. in my life. So, um, It was a great honor for me at the moment. And I had people come up to me after um, 
grown women who thanked me so much for sharing. And, you know, I felt like, oh, I'm helping people. And, you know, yes, I went through this traumatic experience, but look at me now, like, there's a reason I went through that is so that I can help other people. So that's how it was framed to me. And I definitely felt like that was a premature experience. It happened at way too early of a stage for me to feel like I could really help somebody with that story. Cause I do believe in, you know, sharing your story and being a part of this podcast, you know, if this helps somebody, then amazing. It's a beautiful thing. And just listening to the previous episodes, like it's also helped me through processing some of my trauma from not necessarily the rock itself that has a big part to do with it, but also just religion in general and how it entered my life and being a preteen, just jumping into it. I, and I have a lot of thoughts on this. Um, First of all, thank you for sharing uh, that part of uh, your life. Um, And I I think for the podcast, you know, we want to be sensitive about exploring these subjects. So, you know, if there's any part of this you don't want to talk about, or if there's a question we ask, you just don't want to answer, it's fine. Yeah. Um, I got so many thoughts. So a little bit background on myself. I I worked on anti-human trafficking issues for about a decade. Um, And I came in contact with a lot of, um, you know, victims and survivors and uh, from different ages, you know, from like kids as young as 12, 13 years old up to, you know, in their 20s and whatnot. Um, Just hearing that you were in in effect inappropriately asked for your consent at the age of 12 to share your story in front of a mass audience that I know this isn't meant to be like a non-judgmental space, but like for me personally, that, that makes me really bad because, you know, you're asking a kid to delve into trauma. They haven't even processed, like you said, you know, and sharing that to a wide audience, you know, how are you even at 12? I guess, could you tell us how you feel now in retrospect? Like, did you really feel like you were even capable of giving consent at that age or what was that? You know, how, how have you processed that? So I have a 12 year old daughter. Yeah. By no means would I put that on her. That is um, a heavy thing for even adults to speak about. Mm-hmm. And um, it's even more so, um, I'll say this is looking back, I would not be okay with my daughter doing that. And yes, I gave consent and I agreed and it didn't feel at the time like a forced thing, like you're, I'm being forced to do this, but I feel like there could have been a little bit more judgment for somebody to look at this 12 year old girl and know that this happened at the most a year ago. It ended almost just a year ago. And know like if that had happened to a grown adult, they're not going to be at a point to share that, you know, fully, especially in front of a ton of people. Um, I just want to be, I wouldn't have peace about it if I asked my daughter to do that. Makes a lot of sense. Um, Yeah. Yeah. And I think 
you know, for, for me coming into the rock from a church that, you know, it was pretty different growing up. The, I always thought that like transparency was kind of a big thing that, you know, they talked about from the pulpit and, you know, we want to be a really transparent church about things we're struggling with and all that sort of thing. Um, and, you know, I think as a kid, I would hear some of these testimonies and they would be like, oh, you're or two ago, or like maybe even months ago for some people, like I was in the middle of this and, you know, Jesus saved me and it was this, you know, big life transforming thing. And, you know, as, as a kid, I'm like, wow, a year ago, that's so long ago. (laughs) So much has happened to them since then. Um, But, you know, now that I'm, I'm older, I'm like, oh my gosh, like a year is not that much time to to get over some some of these things, especially some that are are so dramatic. Um, and you know, I think you know, even on this podcast, like transparency is important to us. Like we're hoping that people are in a place where they can be transparent, but they're yeah, it's like there's a there's wisdom that comes with being transparent, and a lot of healing that comes before you can just you know tell the world everything you've gone through um and you know i think talking to you and some other people uh yeah i feel like the the timing of this is really great because a lot of us have had time to grow up and uh really process some of the things that we've gone through um you know i i couldn't have started this podcast a year ago even um and so yeah. <laughs> I guess that's that is just a year ago so who knows maybe I'm not ready for this but <laughs> here we are um but yeah uh, I don't know that's just me rambling uh I guess to get back to your story I, I'm curious because I don't think I even knew, knew with Sean was your dad always at the rock um as a Christian or was he at like a different sort of church beforehand or anything you know we grew up at a church in well he did a lot of ministry traveling um so we moved to chicago for a little bit and but i was very young i was two at the time so i don't really remember much of that but i do know that he uh, was a part of a traveling ministry that was evangelizing so he brought us along with him. I don't have much memories of that, but, um, I know that we were part of that ministry and then we did settle down at a church in Yuba city. I don't know what type of church, what denomination. Um, but my first real memory of church was coming to the rock and I believe I was around six. So, um, I do know we came from an older school church, um, not as charismatic because it was yeah. definitely like, oh, what's going on with these people? <laughs> yeah, I can relate to that feeling. Um, yeah. Yeah, the church I came from was supposedly like Pentecostal, which is similar to charismatic. But uh, yeah, coming to the rock was like what well, people are like jumping and raising their hands and like shouting and it's it's very lively. Um, yeah which was cool in in a lot of ways i mean i think there's something cool about it inherently um and then you know long term uh you learn different things about it and feel different things about it 
Um, so I think for for you, as you got more into the rock and into the youth group, um, what was your experience like kind of growing up and then maybe heading more towards when you when you left the rock? You know, maybe what was kind of the trajectory that like headed you towards leaving the rock? If that you know might be a more complicated question than that. <laughs> <laughs> oh yes. Um, so I started out in junior, well, children's ministry and, um, really got a community in junior high, being part of the junior high group. And my brother's two years older than me. So I got to hang out with a little bit older. And then once we hit high school, being part of the youth group, I definitely felt like home, friendships. I went to a private junior high through high school. And most of, um, which I went to school with you, Justin, most of those kids that were at high school, at that high school, were also part of the Rock Youth Group. So I definitely felt like this is my group of people and this is my community and my support system. And like you mentioned, transparency was something that was encouraged. So we were very much encouraged to share our stories and be open. And I was somebody who always wanted the person who felt left out to be a part because I always felt like, like I was the one left out and I was always isolated. So I didn't want anybody to feel alone. So I feel like a lot of youth group was great for me in that sense of feeling like not so isolated and I have a family and this is my community and I, I'll share my story because that's encouraged and, you know, you get patted on the back for that. Um, so youth group memories, a lot of them are positive. But I also saw, especially being a pastor's kid, I saw a lot of the background and um, behind the scenes. And a lot of it didn't sit right with me, but I didn't know why. And I, I felt like I wasn't allowed to question anything. And that may have not been a spoken thing, but, you know, subconscious, like, okay, this is the way and it's just there because that's how it's done and you accept it. You don't ask questions, yeah. you put are, on a smile there, and you. Go right. are, are there any particular things like specific uh, things of that nature that come to mind now um, that felt off maybe just in retrospect? Um, being a pastor's kid, you feel like, at least from my personal experience that all eyes are on you. So um, there was almost a expectation to, to look a certain way, to act a certain way, to be what everybody else wanted you to be. So there was a lot of expectation put on me that was not spoken, but in a lot of ways it was just not with words. So I would have a lot of friends, parents, Um, be like, oh, I want my kid to hang out with you. 
you know, because I'm supposed to be one of the best kids at church and doing the right things. And I, that put, um, that put an expectation on me to save their kids. And I'm only a teenager. (laughs) You know, I have the weight of, of feeling like I need to save people in general, because that's what I'm taught to evangelize and share my story and help people come to Jesus. And then also, Hey, you're the pastor's kid. So you can help my Christian kid even be better than what they are now. So a lot of unspoken expectations, um, a lot of, I don't want to necessarily say this in a, that it was applicable to everybody, but um, I saw some manipulation and that was, you know, in a, in a structured religious way, the power that was being used to manipulate and to get ahead and to look successful, to have, you know, all the kids at youth group, you know, worshiping their hearts out and looking a certain way and, you know, really dive deep into the Holy Spirit. And if you're not feeling him, if you're not speaking in tongues, you know, like just try harder, not meeting meeting these kids where they're at. I have a question. Um, during this time, um, I'm sure your dad was aware of, you know, people bringing their children to you and making those introductions. Was he like encouraging you? Like, yeah, save these kids. Or was he at any point like, Hey, how do you feel about all that? Did he ever ask you how you felt about it? Um, not to my memory, but he was also doing the same in his position. So he probably didn't view it as a negative thing. Like, oh, this is what I'm expected to do. And so, you know, oh, you're expected at your age to help those around you at your age. So I don't think he asked himself how he was doing. So he didn't ask me how I was. Yeah, I think, um, you know, this maybe to start it with something kind of encouraging. Uh, you said, that you wanted to make people who maybe felt alone or off to the side, you know, feel welcome. And uh, I definitely think you did that really well. Um, and I think that was important. Like, I, I just remember thinking like, Oh, Jordan's like one of the nicest people I've ever met, like super sweet. Anyone could go up to her and like, she'll be loving and kind to them. Um, so, you know, th- thanks for that. Uh, first off, but yeah, looking back, I can definitely imagine what kind of pressure that might have also put on you. Um, and I think, you know, something that's come up with, with Logan, with Sean, you know, I think with myself is looking at our, our parents and some of the, you know, things they believe choices they made. Um, yeah, I, I won't you know, <laughs> speak for you or anything, but I know for Logan and Sean, we've, and and myself, it's like, I don't really like blame our, our parents for the, the hurt they might've caused us or like, I don't um, feel any ill will towards them for it anymore. Like I've kind of, uh, you know, I feel like I've, I've dealt with that and, you know, I understand that they were, were people (laughs) much like I'm a person now 
going through stuff, growing, learning. And there are probably things that I don't understand now that um, I'll look back and think like, oh gosh, why, <laughs> why did I do that? Uh, you know, maybe five years from now, I'll be like, why did I do this podcast? And <laughs> <laughs> hopefully not. But um, yeah, I think, I think an important thing for, for me looking back is, is just seeing that, you know, we were all, we're all, we're all people and the people who raised us were all people. And, you know, we've all had to go through our own different things to, to grow, um, not to excuse the hurt and, you know, the bad things that have happened because of the mistakes that uh, the people that maybe raised us made, but yeah, I don't know. <laughs> not, not no, I completely, yeah, no, I completely agree. I, I put no fault on my parents by any means. I see um, the hurt they were going through and, you know, it's just one blind person's leading the next. So they were trying to figure out their own lives and trying to help us figure it out as well. So being a parent, being in my 30s, I realized like the grace I have for them and learning that same grace for myself. So I yeah. definitely, I definitely respect my parents and I'm so thankful for their journey because I want to be here and I wouldn't have gone through my journey and I'm still evolving, still growing. Cool. So what brought you out of the rock? Um, you know, I, I think it's a very different story than some of the ones we've heard so far. So when I was close to graduating high school in 2010, I reconnected with um, one of my brother's older uh, old friends from junior high. And he was kind of known as the bad boy at church. So um, I was dating my high school sweetheart, but I was not allowed to date. So I was hiding a lot from my parents. And we ended up getting caught because he stayed over while my parents were out of town and his car got stolen out front, out front of our house. So we had to come clean. Well, talk about bad luck. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we had a meeting with his parents, my parents, and the consensus was that we needed to break up because this relationship wasn't started in honesty. And um, at that time, I was taught that you don't date, you court which is a term of this is the person you're going to marry. Okay. Now you can court them or date them. And there is a goal in mind. So we ended up breaking up and I reconnected with my brother's old friend. And a week after I graduated high school, I ended up getting pregnant. And the plan was after high school, I was going to move to Oklahoma. But the first week I was in Oklahoma, I found out I was pregnant. 
So I came back to California to make it work. And it was, I was dead set on, I'm keeping my child and there's no other option. So whether I'm doing that alone or with a partner, that's how it's going to be. Yeah. So with that, that was a huge no-no in church. (laughs) And um, so while I was in Oklahoma, um, my dad got in front of the whole church to apologize for my actions. And I came back and was shunned. So I guess it wasn't really my choice leaving the rock. I mean, my plan was to move to Oklahoma and start a life. So the rock wasn't something on the forefront of my mind, but I knew I wasn't welcome back when I returned to California. I have a quick question. Um, When your father apologized to the community, did the community already know, or was this like almost he outed you in a way? Like what, what did they already know? Um, Justin, maybe you would be able to speak more on that. I was very disconnected at that point. Um, I had just found out after the fact that that was something that had transpired. My dad apologizing to the church. So I'm sure word got around is what I would assume. Yeah. Yeah, I'm trying to remember exactly how I found out. Um, it's possible I was there when he did that. Um, I feel like I remember just hearing like from my mom or something. Um, And I mean, yeah, if I can take a second to just kind of reflect on on my perspective of what was going on. Like, I mean, it was just, you know, shocking to me as someone who like barely knew how babies were made (laughs) like because I was so, so sheltered. Um, Like I remember it wasn't your relationship, but there was another relationship uh, between a, a couple of kids at, at the rock um, who, you know, they wanted to date. Their parents were like, you can't date, you know, you're good Christian kids. Um, and I remember like we were at the mall and, and we like caught them like kissing in the corner or something. And I was like, Oh, you, <laughs> you are like, you've ruined yourself. <laughs> like, I I was totally bought into like the, you know, I kissed dating goodbye. Like you shouldn't be doing this. Um, and yeah, it's, it's funny to look back on some of those relationships because so many of them would have just like fizzled out within a month or two. If it wasn't like a, Oh, you're not allowed to date. Like if you just let them date, they would have worked it out and figured out they shouldn't be together. Um, or they should, um, in your case. <laughs> so um yeah I think it was it was very surprising for me and I mean you and I you know we weren't like crazy close obviously we went to school together and we were friends and everything but um I was a year or two younger um and just kind of had a different friend group for the most part um but yeah it was just like oh Jordan's pregnant and um I I don't think I saw you again. Like maybe at, at Sean's Sean's wedding a couple of years later, um, but yeah, I think it was just like not even a thought of like, oh, I can, you know, maybe I could reach out to her and ask her how she's doing or something like that. Um, 
And, you know, maybe, maybe if I was, you know, the same year as you, we were closer, I, I would have thought more about that. Um, yeah, I guess what, with that thought in mind, was there anyone who you were close to from the rock who, you know, did reach out and did stay connected with you? Or was it like just full blackout, like never talked to anyone for, from then on? Yeah. So during that period, um, I was really disconnected from everybody. I would say there were two people that stayed in contact. Um, one of them fizzled out probably six months after I gave birth or close to actually close to the time I gave birth, um, reconnected for a little bit when my daughter was a couple months old, but it didn't last very long. Um, and I don't fault that person at all. That was just, we were in two different places in our lives. And the other one, we remained close, but the relationship was different because I was a mom now and different responsibilities than, you know, an 18 year old who can do anything anytime. What kind of... So uh, definitely isolated. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry to interrupt you. I guess I'm curious, what kind of support did you have during this whole period? Um, I didn't really have support. Hmm. Um, I was you know, raising our daughter and her father was really, really it for me. Um, my relationship with my father was very strained during that time. Um, I think it was at that time, a huge disappointment for him. And, and I can understand, you know, you're going off the Bible and what the Bible teaches, and that's not morally acceptable. So I think he felt a sense of failure in that. Uh, my mom, we, we stayed in contact. Um, she wasn't religious very much, at least not in that type of way. Um, so she was very accepting of me and we would talk on the phone and stuff, but I was pretty isolated. Um, another question that popped in my head is, so the father of your child, was he also from the community, from the rock? Or was he yes. From, okay. Was he equally shunned? I don't feel like he was because he wasn't, um, he was always like I had mentioned before, he was always looked at the bad kid in church. So he wasn't in necessarily the inner circle. And so it wasn't this big, like, oh, we have to shun him as well. So he was already kind of considered on the outside. Yeah. And spend too much time with him. Okay. Would you agree with that, Justin? Yeah, I think I only ever remember talking to him once or twice and definitely was like oh yeah bad boy vibes shouldn't shouldn't get close to this guy <laughs> yeah, uh, so um oh god no no please go ahead oh i was just gonna move forward with the story so um it was very isolating in that time and i had a lot of strained relationships so i didn't give up christianity at that moment in my life 
um, because when I moved in with my dad when I was 12, I had a lot of unstable things in my life and a lot of um, a lot of insecurities. Um, so I just cling to Christianity as this is my saving grace. This is the only thing um, plus my dad and stepmom and my brother that this thing gave me a purpose in life. It was encouraging me to share my story and to love God with all my heart. And Jesus can wash everything clean and not feeling clean. That was appealing to me is I could be reborn as not a tainted thing. feeling of being so, so I'm assuming a lot of this was um, coming from the judgments of the community um, and you it seems like you're like internalizing this as you, this is your new identity you are tainted because mm-hmm. um, I am curious at some point at which at what point did you kind of feel like you kind of could abscond with that identity or recreate your identity without any of that stuff like on your own terms if I wasn't involved, no, I mean, like, how do you, I guess, how do you feel now? Do you still feel this identity, like this uh, moniker of tainted, or have you like uh, been able to just kind of um, get out, you know, figure it out on your own terms and like, yeah. So um, fast forwarding a little bit. Um, I, I dealt with a lot of those shameful feelings throughout junior high and high school. I went to multiple counselors, therapists, and it wasn't what I really needed at that time. I'm not going to say it was a negative thing, but I feel like what I needed was just somebody to be there and just to support and to be there for me. And I don't, I feel like my parents did the best they could with what they had, but I would say in the more recent years, probably starting in 2000. 16, 2017, I really started doing my own work for myself and really focusing on, okay, that's something in my life. Where does that stem from? So I realized how much of my trauma, I just, if you will, washed it clean with the blood of Jesus instead of, okay, I need to figure out me and I need to figure out like where it where is Jordan and all this? Because I've held on to an identity of the victim being abused. And then I jumped to an identity of I'm Jordan, the pastor's kid who can help everybody else with my testimony to, Oh, Jordan, the pregnant one who shamed the religion. And then, um, I would say in the last few years, I've let go of, and you know, we're constantly growing. So I'm not going to stand here and be like, I'm healed and I'm all better, (laughs) but I've really worked on um, myself and the trauma that I've gone through and not just from childhood, but throughout life, throughout the church, um, the manipulation and just seeing 
okay, I'm, I'm, I don't need to fit into one box that this is what Jordan is, but I'm, I'm more than that. So, so like I don't know if I answered your question. No, absolutely. You did. <laughs> it sounds like you're in a place where it's no longer, like you said, Jordan, this, 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 it sounds like you found your like, inner core strength and you're just Jordan. Right. That's how you're moving through life now. And, and the beautiful thing is, is like, and that's enough. I don't need to achieve something or fill this life purpose. And I definitely grew up with like, you have a destiny and this is, you know, (laughs) these are the steps to get there and this is what you're going to be. But Hey, I'm just a human being and we're all just trying to figure it out and that's okay. Yeah. I think something it's been bouncing around my head, trying to figure out like how to put words to it. But I, I feel like you like getting pregnant and being shunned was like s- sort of important for me to process. Like, cause you know, I've, I, I remember being like six years old and someone at our old church got pregnant and I was, I literally thought it was like, you know, Mary in the Bible, like <laughs> divine. I just didn't understand how things work. Um, <laughs> I'm this holy person now. I'm learning something new from about you. <laughs> no, guys, I was so sheltered. Um, people are going to be so surprised when this podcast comes out. They're going to be like, whoa, Justin has like, got this many things to say. Uh, anyway. Um, but yeah, when when you got pregnant, you know, I, I pictured, I guess I had like these two groups in my head. There's like people like Jordan who are like really awesome and kind and, you know, like a representation of Jesus as I saw it. And then they're like someone who gets pregnant outside of marriage. And, uh, oh, shoot, Zoom thought I wanted to raise my hand, uh, <laughs> lower hand. For, for those listening, I had my hand raised and Zoom has a feature that does things when you do that. Anyway, uh, when those two fields collided of like, oh, Jordan, who is this amazing person, got pregnant. It was one of those moments in life that just like really causes you to rethink what you know about the world. And, you know, I think when it happened, I I didn't know what to do with that. Um, But I think, you know, it's just one experience on on the road of thinking like oh if if this is what we value and it's so easy to do one thing that kind of breaks everything that you are like everyone can see you one way and then you do one thing um particularly one thing that uh has the you know certain odds of getting you pregnant um and the odds being like not in your favor and that's all it takes to get you shunned and like oh suddenly like okay jordan's i guess not a good person now um like it's a it's very jarring for me like you were the first person i knew personally i feel like that went through something like that um i don't know if i have a point <laughs> but no but, um it's definitely black and white yeah there's no there's no gray area and yep. i've learned in my adult years is life is in the gray area yeah you know there are certain blacks and whites but um you know a lot of truth is to be found in the gray hmm. 
So thank you for saying that, Justin, because that definitely was something that shattered me was now I'm a broken person because this happened and everything prior didn't matter. Yeah, that that black and white stuff is really fascinating to me because um, I was telling Justin, Jordan, I was telling Justin maybe a couple weeks back, I was sitting at a cafe talking to uh, a couple of people from a Baptist church. And we're just talking about random stuff. And I started asking them questions because I was curious to see if they might want to come on the podcast and talk. Um, but <laughs> um, we started talking about this this measurement of kindness, of being a kind person, of being a good and just person. And, you know, I asked them this question of, you know, if you were a person who just lived this virtuous life, you know, you were, you know, selfless, you were kind, generous compassionate, empathetic to people, um, and just lived a good life. Like, you know, what does it matter if they don't believe in Jesus Christ or follow the word of God? And the response I get was fascinating. It was so black and white that they said to me that unless they believe in Jesus Christ or the word of God, they are not a kind person. I was Mm. like, that's fascinating. Um, so yeah, it just, you know, you talking about the whole black and white thing, it just brought that conversation back to my head and it just seems like it's such a huge contradiction yeah and that was a huge um, part of my deconstruction is how and this is speaking from me personally my own opinion but how can we as christians be so loving and so kind and have kindness for others but then also see somebody who's just as loving, just as kind, but they're going to hell. Right. How, how can we, if, if that is the God I'm serving, then I don't want to serve that God. And that was a huge thing for me in my deconstruction um, is how, how can it be so black and white? How can somebody who's kinder than me and shows more love than me and has more compassion and, you know, goes out of their way for people, how can they spend an eternity in fire? So that was something that was a huge deal for me. And when I was in church and, you know, this is all just my experience personally, is I felt something, especially during worship services. I felt if you will, gone. But fast forward to 2019, near the end of 2019, I really struggled because I was seeing a lot of truth in what non-Christians were saying that contradicted everything I believed in. But I also couldn't let go of the truth that I grew up with because it was such a... um, like a foundation for me in, oh, getting better and having something to hold on to. So letting go of that and being okay to let that go, I really struggled just trying to find peace within myself and peace in something else that wasn't the Bible, wasn't what I grew up with. So that was a huge question for me is, how can how can this all loving God be so so condemning to 
those that are love. How long did it take for you to figure all that out for yourself? Ooh, I'm still figuring it out. Um, <laughs> so in 2019, near the end, I really struggled. Um, my husband, which I believe you guys will be speaking to in another episode. Um, my husband had walked away from the church shortly after um, he was out of his parents' house. And so when we had reconnected, I... I struggled because, man, I love this man, but the Bible tells me I can't be unevenly yoked. But he wasn't a Christian, so how can I justify that? So I kind of set those thoughts aside, and you know, I just dove in and loved him, and um, he loved me back, and we started being in this relationship, and he would bring up questions to me that not in a judgmental way by any means, but just, Hey, what do you think about this? Cause he was studying different um, philosophers and stuff. And I'm like, Oh, I feel the truth in that, but it contradicts what I believe to have known. So in 2020, the beginning before really the lockdown in March, um, from COVID, I was really trying to figure out my identity because my identity was wrapped up in this. And if I let that go, then I have to let this Jordan go. And I didn't know what to be after that. I didn't know what was going to be left. So it probably started the end of 2019 and I'm still growing, um, still learning. And I think that's what life's about is just a journey. And I started being very open-minded and being okay to question things that I wasn't allowed to question before. So 2020, I would say, was a huge year, a huge enlightening year for me. Just allowing myself to be there, to go there, and allowing myself room and not to judge myself in that. So here's yeah. 2023 and I'm still, I'm still learning about myself, still learning, you know, what I believe, what is my truth. And I, I love that because I was in a box that was, this is rigid. This is black and white. And this is who you are. You don't question it. And now I'm totally fine not having all the answers. And not knowing everything because nobody does and being okay with that. Uh, Justin, I know you had a question, but uh, real quick, I I am curious. You just have the one daughter. Is that right? We just had a son. Yes. Thank you. In 2021, the end. So he's about 15 months now. Very cool. Um, Yeah. Um, Well, yeah. Congratulations on that. That's that's amazing. Um, Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. during this time, how much was your daughter aware of any of this stuff? Um, yeah, I'd, I'd love to touch on that because I I raised her in a way that my dad raised me. Um, I just preferred my dad's method on raising a child and um, being strict and you raise a child in the way they should go and they will not depart from it. 
So I raised her very strict. Um, I raised her in church for the most part. We weren't going to church every Sunday, but for the majority we would go. And I actually returned to the rock. Um, I returned to the rock um, a few years later. I want to say my daughter was three or four at the time. And there were comments made of, why are you here? So that solidified, this is not the place for me anymore. So I ended up going to a different church. So I was, I was trying to raise her Christian and um, teach her everything that I had known and grown up with. But as I started deconstructing, I kind of stepped away from I I kept the strict, but I didn't maintain the religious teachings to her. So that kind of slowly faded out. And um, it's really my new perspective has really evolved into, for me personally, raising our children in that this is their life too. And I'm meeting you where you're at. So we don't teach our kids this is this is the right answer and this is what's to believe but more teaching them moral things showing kindness showing love um, respecting other people's opinions and voicing your own opinion um just the basics and letting them be who they are and not trying to put them in a box of you need to follow all these rules and be this way. And I'm going to morph you into the child I want you to be. But hey, you have the freedom to be who you are. It's amazing. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. Um, yeah. Thank you. Thanks. Yeah. No, it's, it's, it's funny to hear. I mean, you talk about that and just different things that I say and other people that I've talked to who've left Christianity say. And, you know, just saying like, oh, you know, I try to teach them like moral things. And now I'm like, yeah, that's great. And I just remember being in the church. And if if I'd heard someone who wasn't a Christian say like, yeah, I just try to be moral and a good person. I would just be like, oh, no, you, you can't do that. You have, to, you have to believe in Jesus before you can be a good person. Or like morality doesn't make sense outside of Jesus. Um, so it's it's funny to be talking to, you know, all these different people that we all grew up kind of with that teaching. And now we're on the other side of it. Um, I I was going to ask uh, about church, actually. I was curious, you know, if you were going to a church, you, you kind of answered that. Um, but I guess, you know, what kind of church did you find yourself at um, in the meantime? Um, in the meantime, I ended up going to a mega church and the big part of that was all eyes weren't on me and I could slide in the back leave early if I wanted to and not be seen not be part of any small groups or any accountability partners (laughs) I just wanted to blend in and so that's why I went to a bigger church um I also I ended up going to a couple different mega churches. Um, I went to one for a little while because my friend went there and I was still Christian at the time. So, you know, I thought, great, I can blend in here. I know somebody 
And so we ended up going together, but I currently, um, I think as of 2019, beginning of 2020, I stopped going to church. Um, my, my beliefs have shifted significantly. Um, it's not that I don't, it's not that I think Christians believe wrong. My opinion is everybody can believe whatever they want to believe and that's their truth and that's okay. And who am I to say that you're wrong? Because I don't know. And so just staying, I remember being in the church and being like, oh, I'm such an open-minded Christian. (laughs) But as soon as I realized what open-minded meant, I'm like, wow, I was so judgmental in a loving way, but so judgmental. So yeah, I don't go to church um, and I don't fit my beliefs in any box either. Yeah. Well, that's great. Um, I mean, thank you for sharing all that. Uh, Yeah. I relate to so much of that now. Um, And yeah, it's just, it's, it's great to hear your story. Great to, you know, connect after all these years and, just kind of find out what you've been up to um, and not feel like I have to have like judgment or, uh, you know, a savior complex when I, when I talk to you, um, like maybe I would have, if we had connected before. So uh, this has been really cool. Uh, I think we're at about time. So, you know, we can, we can wrap it up, but yeah, thank you so much for joining this and telling your story. Of course. Yeah. Thank you, Justin. It's been great reconnecting with you. And I know we're going to go disc golfing later. Yeah. So I look forward are. to actually seeing you in person, but Ev, it was so nice meeting you. Absolutely. Great meeting you too. And I'm excited to hear your story, <laughs> hopefully on a future yeah. episode. <laughs> At some point uh, I'll get into it, but I just wanted to say that, you know, I, I really do appreciate you, you know, sharing some pretty vulnerable stuff. And, you know, I know this stuff is always easy to talk about, but, um, it seems to be coming a bit of a family affair in the next three podcasts. Like we did Sean, we're doing you, and then we're doing your husband. So, which I think is really, really awesome just to see what a whole family's perspective is on this, right? Um, so, yeah, just, I just want to say thank you. Thank you. Um, do you are, are you prepared for what comes next, Jordan? You're so prepared. I wasn't prepared for how prepared you were. I'm telling Justin, this is going to be a thing. People are going to, yeah. I think it's one of my most favorite parts. (laughs) Wow, that's great. Uh, I think, is it, are we done? Is it over? Are we do you want to do it again? Or? <laughs> no, no. <laughs> well, thanks, Jordan. Really great. Thanks for uh, taking the afternoon on the Saturday to do this with us. Of course. Thank you both. Yeah. Thanks. See you later.